0: Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. friends. Today we're going to finish up our Christmas series that we've been in called There Is Hope. And I'd like to, to share a story. Uh, it's a true story that happened back in 2017, about 40 miles off the coast of, of New York. There was a con- commercial fisherman by the name of John Aldrich. He was out uh, fishing with his his uh, fishing partner, Anthony Sosinski, and, uh, and they were out and, uh, and they were fishing away, and, and his partner went uh, below deck to take some rest and to, to just take some time just to rest. And he was above uh, deck, and all of a sudden, he fell overboard. And he began to struggle and realize when he began to call for help that no help was coming as his partner was asleep before, before deck, uh, below deck. And the boat just careened off and just kept on going and going until it was out of sight. And there he was struggling in the water, believing that this was probably going to be the end. This was probably going to be the way that he would die. And then he grabbed his fishing boots and he realized that with his fishing boots that that he was able to create an air pocket and hang on to them, and they would float. And so he, he clung on to his fishing boots for dear life, floating in the waves, hanging, holding on and clinging to that little bit of hope that he had. And finally, he came to a fishing buoy in which he then grabbed a hold of and clung to, waiting and hoping to be rescued. Finally, after 12 hours of holding on, The Coast Guard had sent a helicopter that found him and rescued him, and his hope was realized as he was brought to safety. Friends, how many of you know the truth is sometimes we need a little hope to hold on to? We need a little something to hold on to. We need a little hope to hold on to, and perhaps uh, this time of the year, more than any, there are many who are in need of a little bit of hope to hold on to. As you know, this is the time of year where it is cold. This is the time of year where the sun doesn't shine as, as often, where the days are a little bit more gray, where the, it seems like the sun doesn't come up as early as we would like and it goes down a whole lot earlier than we would like. And, and this is the time of year that uh, becomes very hard for many people. This is the time of year at times where depression can really kick in. And particularly if you find yourself alone, or maybe you you find yourself in grief or you've lost someone and you begin to look and with our wonderful world of social media, right? And, and it's great, right? We take pictures and it's wonderful to post the celebrations, and that's great. But for some, as you look at those celebrations, you're simply reminded of what you don't have. And it can be a time where hope is very difficult to find and friends i want to tell you that hope is important and there is hope this morning i want to share with you a message again of hope if you were with us christmas eve you know i shared a message that hope is here and this morning i want to share another message that god has put on my my heart because i want you to know that there is hope do you realize how important hope is Over the last couple of decades, psychologists have done many studies on the power of hope, and, and, and studies through groups like the Gallup Group, New York Times, the Journal of Organizational Behavior, as well as others did studies of both adults and children that showed that those with a higher degree of hope or have a, a higher degree or, or a higher area of hope do better when they navigate injuries or disease or sickness or physical pain. Those with hope tend to score higher on satisfaction and self-esteem. Uh, they also tend to have a higher degree of optimism or, or a general outlook on, on life. They perform better in sports. We could have used that yesterday after four interceptions. <laughs> right? We, aren't you glad we don't put our hope in the Browns? <laughs> oh, my. Cleveland sports. Uh, listen to what well, one of the, the leaders, international family uh, justice movement, Casey Gwynn, uh, said this in, in his book, Hope Rising. He said, in every published study of hope, every single one, hope is the single best predictor of well-being compared to any other measure of trauma recovery. He, he went on to write this, we agree that it's time to declare to everyone who will listen the predictive power of hope in a person's life that is greater than any other character strength. Hope is important. Hope is something that is important. Everybody has to have hope. When we don't have some kind of a hope, something to cling to, then we find ourselves spiraling into despair. So this morning I want to encourage you there is hope. Anybody ever heard the name Victor Frankl before? Victor Frankl is a world-renowned psychologist and knowing for a lot of different things, but he was also a Holocaust survivor. And he came through that experience, and one of the things that he noted and most famously wrote about was a link between hope and immunity within the physical body. Hope and physical immunity. So, in this day and age where we've got a pandemic that is raging, hope is really important. So, let me, let me share with you what he found about hope and immunity of the body. He illustrated it by the prisoners that died between Christmas 1944 and New Year's 1945. So, one week span. Christmas of 1945 to New Year's, New Year's Day, January 1st, 1945. He said the people that were there in the prison camps... They didn't die of disease or plague or pandemic. He said these individuals in the camp had a hope that they were looking forward to. And the hope was Christmas. They believed that, that quite possibly nobody would be that heartless, that they would hold them in a prison camp for Christmas, that they would be released by Christmas and be able to spend Christmas with their families. But see, that didn't happen. Christmas came and went, and in that week between Christmas and New Year's, there were many who died, and they died not because of of a, a disease, they died because of a lack of hope. Christmas came and it passed. He said, he writes this, hope is the lifeblood, literally. When their hope died, so did their immune system. So did their body. So did their will to live. And Frankel noted this, but he noted something else. He said, for those that were able to to touch and give hope, for those that we were able to touch and give hope, it saved their lives literally. That's how powerful hope is. That's how powerful hope is. And, And today, I want to share with you as we celebrate and remember the birth of Jesus, that the birth of Jesus gives us hope, that there is hope Isaiah chapter 9, the Lord gives the, the prophet Isaiah this picture of the promised Messiah. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace." In this passage, I believe that there is three reasons that the birth of Jesus reminds us that there is hope today, that there is hope. And the first is simply this, there is hope because Jesus came as God's gift. How many of you find it difficult to find that perfect gift? Did you find that perfect gift for someone? Anybody find it difficult to shop? Is there somebody that you find that's just very difficult to shop for? You just don't know what they want. Nobody's going to, they're probably sitting next to you, so you don't want to shake your head yes. I know that. There are people that some. We're, we're kind of trying to find, what's that perfect gift? What can I give someone? What's the perfect gift? So I, I get some research because, I mean, let's be honest, you probably got some gifts that you were kind of like, oh, thank you very much. What in the world am I going to do with this? This is wonderful, thank you, I don't know. We all have that, so I did some research and, and, uh, and on the internet there were 980 adults that were asked, what's the worst gift you've ever received? Nearly 40% of the respondents said their least favorite present of all was in the category of food and household items. Food and household items. In fact, one study noted that people noted that, that a fruitcake was the worst gift to receive. Did anybody get a fruitcake this Christmas? You don't want to raise your hand if you didn't like it because it might be the person sitting across the room. No, I'm just kidding. I did not get a fruitcake this Christmas, so I can say this and nobody can feel bad. (laughs) But food items and household items, they were followed by home decorations, that top the list of the least desirable gifts, followed by socks and underwear. Did anybody get any socks and underwear, right? Kids are always like opening gifts and they open up the socks and underwear, or clothes in general. I remember when our kids were younger and they'd open up clothes and they'd go, oh, and they just toss it away, you know. Oh right? And one of the toys, right? Where's the, where is it? You know, socks and underwear, right? These are the kinds of things and household gadgets. And uh, so maybe you received some gifts that weren't so desirable. But can I tell you that Jesus is a gift that is most desirable? Maybe we don't recognize that we need him, but I'm going to encourage you that Jesus is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. In fact, God is the giver of of good and perfect gifts. That's what the writer James said in in his epistle. James said that that God is the giver of, 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 he's the good and perfect gift comes from above. All good and perfect gifts come from above. Well, Jesus Christ is that gift. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given to us. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize it or not, but throughout the New Testament, over 40 times, Jesus is called a gift. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Have you, have you realized how indescribable a gift Jesus is? I, I've, known, I've known the Lord practically my entire life. And, and I, I have studied the Bible, I've read the Bible, I've been in Sunday school, I've been in services like this, and went to Bible college and all of that. And can I tell you that as I read through the scriptures and I, I choose every year, I choose to read through a different reading plan that takes me through the Bible in a year. It's just what I do, and I choose a different translation to get a little bit of a different uh, look or perspective. Can I tell you that as I go through that, Each and every year, there is not much time that passes where I don't discover something indescribable about Jesus, something unsearchable, something that I didn't realize. I never seem to get to the bottom of what I'm mining, of the treasure of Jesus. I just, I never get to where it's empty. Anybody else find that? Jesus is an indescribable gift to us. In fact, he's the gift that God gave to us we know John 3:16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? His one and only son. Right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's a whole lot of people that are living and desiring gifts that are right for the moment and right for today that are temporary. And today's perfect gift, I remember that, that, that back when I was younger, there were some gifts that were just hot off the, they were just the gifts you just had to have. When I was growing up in the 80s, all right, that's how old I am. When I was growing up, even as a, even as a young boy, anybody remember Cabbage Patch Kids? And how, how you, like, you, people were fighting over those things, Right. I think today nobody can find a PS5, all right? You know, like there's these gifts. But then, then next year it's going to be something else. And, and, and on down the line it's going to be something else. And, and, and it's always something else. But I'm going to tell you that for eternity there is a gift that does not go out of style. There is a gift that is not temporary. And his name is Jesus. He is a person and his name is Jesus. He is a savior and he is the greatest gift of all. Famous here in Cleveland, there's a movie called The Christmas Story. Anybody watch that this Christmas? Watch the movie about Ralphie. My, I think probably my favorite part is we're in, this, in the schoolyard and Ralphie's there with his friend and they decide to test whether the, the theory is true, if they stick their tongue to the metal pole, whether it'll stick or not. I just think that's hilarious and painful all at the same time. I don't know. That's just weird. But, but Ralphie wants something for Christmas, doesn't he? More than anything else, Ralphie has a hope, and what is Ralphie's hope? That he will get a Red Ryder BB gun, right? He wants the Red Ryder BB gun, and so throughout the entire movie, that's what he keeps asking for, and everybody seems to, to throw cold water on it, including the Santa at the mall. You'll shit your eye out, kid, right? That's what he wants more than anything, so Christmas Day comes, and Ralphie is waiting for his Red Rider BB gun. And he is opening up his presence, and his brother opening up, and they're just tearing through the presents And he gets to the last one, and he doesn't have his Red Rider BB gun. But spoil alert, if you haven't seen it, spoil alert, close your ears, it's okay. Just like parents do, they love to surprise if they know there's something that their children really want, and dad had hidden it away behind the chair. And there it was. And when Ralphie opened it up, his hope had been realized. His hope was realized. He had what he had hoped for the Red Rider be begun. Can I tell you today that many of us hope for things in life? There's a hole sometimes inside of us, there's a a need inside, and we're going to talk about it a little bit that we have, but can I tell you today that the greatest gift of all is Jesus, and Jesus is that hope, and when we hang on to Jesus, it is a hope that becomes realized to us. In fact, Romans 8, 24 Talking about a hope that is to come. We were given this hope when we were saved. And if you already have something, we don't need to hope for it. We were given this hope when we were saved. This hope in the name of Jesus, this greatest gift of all. Paul's talking about the completed work of Jesus Christ within us and around us, the restoration of our bodies and our souls and all creation. It's coming one day. One day made possible because the promise that God gave has been realized and there is hope in Jesus' name. Secondly, Jesus came to lift our burdens. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. This particular part of the prophecy points to the rule and reign that Jesus is going to have over the entire world, and Jesus is that hope and a reminder that God keeps His promises to us. We talked about this on Christmas Eve. Throughout the Gospels, the prophecies about Jesus coming were fulfilled as he fulfilled the covenant that God had made with David, that there would always be a king on his throne forever. And Paul writes about this time period that is coming when Jesus will rule and reign in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father how many know that one day Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign One day, Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. One day, Advent is about a hope. It's about a waiting. It's a reminder that God kept his first promise when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as that gift that he came. But it's also a reminder that it's not over yet. It is not done yet. Sin does not rule and reign. Brokenness does not rule and reign. Jesus Christ rules and reigns forever. Mm, Hallelujah. And it says this, the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulder. Can I tell you that humans who govern and rule do not have the shoulder to lift the burdens that we face today. There is not a human being that can carry the burdens that we face and that can rule in the way that we truly need That hope goes beyond any human rulership for we need the hope that was talked about at the opening today of a God who literally his hand spans the universe. That is the kind of God that we serve, one who is able to bear and lift our burdens. For he will, Isaiah 9, 4 about Jesus, for he will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You see, there is hope because Jesus has come to lift our burden today. There is hope because Jesus has come to break the yoke that holds us bound. As the words of that wonderful, beautiful Christmas hymn, O Holy Night States, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease that's the hope that's what we look forward to in Jesus in fact Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29 I love the way the message puts this it says this are you tired and worn out anybody say yes that's me this morning are you tired and worn out are you burned out on religion come to me get away with me You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I I love this next line, all right? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Some of us are tired and worn out, and we need to learn. We need to learn how to. Walk with God and work with God. We, we need to, to, to learn these, these unforced rhythms of grace. Because God promises this, I won't lay anything heavy, and I love this next term, ill-fitting on you. How I many of you know there are some things that just don't fit, right? There's things in this world that just don't fit. Some of you are tired and you're worn out and you're burned out. And Jesus has an invitation to you to come because the government shall be upon his shoulders whatever needs governed in your life. Maybe your shoulders can't bear the weight of what needs governed and what needs ordered in your life, but I'm gonna tell you today, there is hope because Jesus has what is needed to govern the things in your life. He has what is needed to lift the burdens that you cannot carry, and he will carry it with you and for you if you will let him. There is hope because Jesus has come to lift our burdens. Thirdly, Jesus came to meet your deepest needs. Jesus has come to meet your deepest needs. Look at the names that are given. Let's go back to the beginning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and look at this, his name, his name shall be called. Look at this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace you see these wonderful names of jesus are not just simply names that we call but they're characteristics of who he is and how he meets the very deepest needs of our life hang with me for a little bit because i'm going to share with you something that i think is good and you say pastor i need something good all right some of you didn't want to say that okay apparently you don't need something good all right go back to sleep it's okay You can miss out. Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. What does Wonderful Counselor mean? In the English, we sometimes fail what the Hebrew really means and and to understand the deepness of the the Hebrew meaning. Wonderful Counselor. When we think of Counselor, and there's nothing wrong with counseling, I encourage you, go to counseling. We think of Counselor, though we think of talking to a person and the person listening to us and then helping us sort through our feelings and, and kind of put pieces together that might be all over the place and maybe provide. Provide us with some guidance and some steps that we can take so that we can kind of uh, provide some healing, some healing maybe mentally and some healing emotionally. and, And certainly, we need counsel and we need wisdom. But can I tell you that this word, wonderful counselor, in the Hebrew means wisdom itself. Means that Jesus is wisdom itself. Now, let me jump to the New Testament in the book of John. And in John chapter 1 and verse 1, how many know that it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 1:14, so the Word became human or became flesh and made His mo- home among us. So, who's that pointing to? Jesus, right? He was the f- full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen His glory and the glory of the Father. and and only, excuse me, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So, the word that we're talking about is Jesus. Word, capital W-O-R-D, in the Greek is the word logos. And some of you say, I already know this, logos. Well, in the Greek, the word logos is where we get our English word logic from, and and the Greeks believe this the Greeks believed that underneath the universe, underneath this, this the universe in which we live and underneath the universe, philosophically the Greeks believed that there was a, a, a logic, there was a reason that undergirded everything in the universe, so there 's this logic there 's this wisdom there 's this reason this there was not some you know like it just kind of happened and then you know it evolved from here and here and here and here and here I mean think about anything that you create when does it ever get better when you just leave it alone it deteriorates so evolution just doesn't even work out in its theory. So, you know, I'm not here to slam science, but I'm just going to tell you that, that it doesn't get better and better and better. Most of the time, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And worse. And it, it, something, something always undergirds. And, and so the Greek philosophers believed that something, there was some kind of a wisdom, some kind of a logic, some kind of a reason, some, something that undergirded all of the universe, and they called that word Logos. And under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John borrows from that logos, that reason to say that jesus is that gift of god he is wisdom personified he's not just wisdom itself he's not just life itself he's the very one that gives reason and a sense of life he makes sense of life he's the reason of life he's the purpose for life he's the one that undergirds all life in the universe so our deepest need oftentimes is what am i here for why was I created? What's my purpose in life? What's the significance of my life? How do I have a sense of self and well-being and a, self of sense, a sense of self-esteem? What what is the purpose and what is the the meaning? And and, and we struggle sometimes with that and we search in all kinds of different places to find some kind of meaning and some kind of reason and some kind of sense of self-worth and self-being. But can I tell you that this deepest need that is within us is within us because ultimately without Jesus Christ we will continually search because he is the logos, the reason, the logic, the purpose the wisdom behind everything that we need Be- behind the very sense of life itself without Jesus you'll never understand why you're here life will not make sense without Jesus it doesn't make sense without him in him was the light and that light was the life of men light Revelation, aha, everybody's looking for the aha, the aha, the aha, they search for the Oprah, aha, It's not that crazy. It's called Jesus. He is the logos, he is the aha, he is the light, he is the revelation, he is the purpose, he is the reason for being. Woo, number two, he's the mighty God, right? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Literally in the Hebrew, it's warrior God. Come on, how many need a warrior God? It's warrior God. He's the champion of champions. He's the hero of heroes. He's the overcomer. He's the knight in shining armor. He's the rescuer. He's come to rescue and save your soul. He is the mighty God to help you with every need and every challenge you face. There is nothing too difficult for our God. When he came to to Mary and, and told her that she was going to conceive a child, she says, how can this be? And he said, nothing is impossible with God. Friends, there is nothing that is impossible with God. There is nothing that you are facing right now that is impossible with God. There is no hurdle. There is no problem in your marriage that God cannot come in and heal and rescue. He is the mighty God. There is no diagnosis that apart from God can take your life. Only God can. There is no addiction too strong that God cannot break. There is no hurdle financially in your life that God is not able to provide for and help you overcome. He is the mighty God. In Him is life. He is the mighty God. I'm preaching better than some of you are saying amen. (laughs) Thirdly, He's the everlasting Father. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God everlasting father. What a picture. And for some of us, the picture of father does not, doesn't it doesn't hit that well with us. You know, as a, as a father, I know I fail. As a father, I've made mistakes. I haven't always, I've always been loving or gracious or patient or kind. As a father, there's some times when I've gone overboard or I've been weak and made mistakes. And maybe you've got A father like that in your life, or maybe your father abandoned you and wasn't there. And so, a picture of an everlasting father is really a difficult picture for you to embrace, for you to kind of understand the hope that's behind that. But, friends, I'm here to tell you that God is a heavenly father who does not fail who loves and cares and is patient. In fact, Psalm 103, 13, and 14 describe God this way. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. Our Heavenly Father recognizes our frailties, recognizes the way that we fail, recognizes the weaknesses that we have, and yet loves us anyway. That he is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. I can't help but, but think of that wonderful parable that, is, that has become so famous. We know it as the parable of the prodigal son. How many of you know what it as that? Or the parable of the lost son. And, and you have a, a, a guy who was pretty wealthy and, and, uh, and he, 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 he had two sons. And his one son just decided, you know, one day, you know what, I'm done with you. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of being under, under your care and under your leadership and under your authority. I'm, I'm tired of that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want my inheritance now and I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. And so he, 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 he took all that his inheritance that he had and he left and he went and he spent it his own way. I'm in charge of my life. But like so many people that do that, he ended up losing everything he ended up finding himself in a place where he was broken and where it was not good and he decided he needed a job and the only job he could find was taking care of pigs and you have to understand that for a Hebrew young man for a Jewish young man pigs were unclean they were unclean. You, you didn't take care of pigs. That was unclean. But here he was taking care of the pigs. And not only that, he was so hungry that he found himself longing to eat just the pods that the pigs were eating. But he remembered something. This is this, He remembered something. You want to know what he remembered? He remembered how gracious his father was. He remembered how kind his father was. He remembered that his father took good care of his own servants. He, he remembered it so much that he said, you know what, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, this is terrible and I'm being treated terrible. And if I go back, my father, if he'll give me a job, if he'll, if he'll give me a job as one of his servants, he'll take better care of me as a servant. As a servant than I'm being taken care of here. I, I want you to get this picture because our heavenly father is so loving that even when the son had come to the end, what he remembered was the, was the graciousness of his father. And so he, he doesn't know how his father's going to react. We, we know the end of the story if you've read it, and maybe you don't, and I'm going to walk you through. He knew the end of the story, but here's what it says. And so he returned, Luke 15 and verse 20. So he returned home to his father, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. You know what that means? His father was watching for him. His father was looking for him. Can I tell you that we have an everlasting father who is watching you? He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. No matter how much you failed, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you've sinned against him, he is longing and waiting for you to take just a couple of steps, and then he's coming to meet you. Look at this. Long way off. He saw him come filled with what? Judgment. No. What? Filled with wrath. No. Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, but father, I've sinned against you in heaven. Heaven and you both, heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You're trying to embrace me, but I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this i failed, and yet you're showing me such compassion and mercy and grace. I don't deserve it. And his father didn't even argue. There was no argument. His father turned to the servants. He didn't even talk to the son. He turned to the servants. What does he say? Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. What? I'm not worthy of that. What did I do? I simply, I simply humbly came back. I didn't do anything else. Right? Right? put the the ring on his finger, sandals for his feet. What was the ring? The ring was a signet that he was not just going to come back and be a servant. He was going to be restored back to sonship. He was going to be restored back to being a child of his father. And that's what God does for you and I. Kill the calf that's been fattened. We must celebrate the feast. This son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So, let the party begin. Come on, somebody. God wants to party. God wants to give a better celebration than any of your best Christmas celebrations could have ever been. Because when you say, you know what, I have an everlasting father. When you begin to recognize the kindness and the compassion of your everlasting father. And all he's simply looking is for you to turn and say, oh, I'm coming home, daddy. I'm coming home. He is there to embrace you and love you and to restore you to his sonship and daughtership, his children. There is hope because Jesus is an everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. There's an old Christmas carol played this time of year called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It's a poem. By Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Later it was set to music and written over Christmas either 1863, 1864 in the middle of the bloodiest war of American history, the Civil War. And the carol's first verse is familiar and peaceful, and you could sing along with me if you want. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play in music sweet. The tones repeat, there's peace on earth, good will to men. That's the first stanza. But can I tell you, this hymn is not cotton candy? It's not cotton candy, it's a beating heart laid bare. It's a carol that still rings true today because in the third stanza we sing this. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth. Longfellow wrote to his friend Henry Ingersoll Bowditch in 1866. This is what he wrote. The death of the young men in war makes my heart bleed whenever I think of it. How much I felt for you, particularly on that cold December night when I came back with my son and I saw you at the station and knew that yours would come back to you no more. That's the landscape in which this song was sung. Where's the peace on earth? Where where is this idea of peace on earth, goodwill to men? Where is this idea that the the angels had shouted to the had had declared to the shepherds that, that there was peace on whom his favor rests? Where is the peace? And in a culture today, I ask you: where is the peace? We we live in a culture where families are divided by varying opinions on politics and, and, and vaccines and viruses and everything else. We live in a landscape where there is much hate and much discourse that is going on. Maybe physically there has not been a civil war, but politically there is a civil war that is going on and there is a lack of peace and there is much fear in our world and culture today. Where is peace? Where is peace? Day after day, news cycles, horrors upon horrors, and it feels like maybe the bitter end. Where is peace? But then, <laughs> Longfellow in his song has a fourth stanza. He, he doesn't end it there. There's a, there's a fourth stanza. He, he, he doesn't end it, and he brings into it the gospel in this final triumphant stanza. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. In a divided world, where it seems like there is anything but peace, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 tells us, that there is the Prince of Peace and his name is Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Prince comes from the, the word Sar Shalom. It's where you get the word czar from. C-Z-A-R. Or later in the, in the Roman culture they would borrow and they would get it. Caesar the one who is Lord of Rome. Lord over Caesar Augustus. Caesar, you know, uh, and, and all of these things. And it, was, it met the one in charge, the one who was the captain, the chief, the Lord. So when Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, it means he is the Lord of Peace. He is the governor of peace. He is the one in whom all peace is. In Jewish culture in these moments, peace didn't simply mean an absence of conflict, but it meant the possibility and the, and, the, and the completeness and the unity and the peace. Friends, Jesus is the Lord of peace. He is the Prince of Peace in a culture that is divided, in a culture in which there is so much brokenness in our world. In the midst of the brokenness and in the midst of the culture we need to remember that there is a Prince of Peace and the you and I can have peace even in the midst of the conflict Jesus came to bring peace first peace with God some of you need to make peace with God This Christmas, you need to make peace with God. Jesus, the greatest gift. Jesus, who shall be called Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. You shall name him Jesus, Savior, sozo. You need to be saved, some of you, from your sins. You need to be reconciled to God. You can't have peace in the midst of this broken world unless you make peace with God. And he offers it to you. Just like that son, the return to his father, he offers that peace to you. And when we have peace with God, then you and I can have the peace of God, that the Lord of peace governs the the emotions of our heart and our mind. He whose mind is stayed on you will be kept in what? The psalmist said, perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. Whose mind is stayed on you. Paul wrote, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, offer your request to God, and the peace of God will guard what? Your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus will guard your heart, your emotions, will guard your mind that runs and keeps you up at night worrying about what is to come. There is hope because Jesus is the Prince of Peace and when you have the Prince of Peace in your life, he governs every part of your life, your heart, your emotions, your mind. Think on these things. Jesus' disciples, he told them right before his death, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let fear govern your heart. Let the Prince of Peace govern your heart. Let the Prince of Peace come and govern your heart. Don't be anxious or worried. Instead, invite the Prince of Peace to come and to give peace to your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The world's peace is based on outward and temporary things. But the peace that Christ brings is based on a person and a promise. The Prince of Peace who has come and the Prince of Peace who is coming yet again. Come on, somebody. There is hope because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Come on, worship team. I'm landing the plane. So this Christmas, I want to remind you and I want to encourage you to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the burden lifter in the burden bearer. If you have burdens that are too heavy for you to carry today, I want to invite you to surrender them over to begin to partner with Jesus and let him lift your burden. If you struggle to find purpose and meaning in your life, I want to invite you that there is a wonderful counselor, a logos, a reason under everything, a purpose, and without him, you won't find true purpose and meaning for your life. You need Jesus in your life. There is a mighty God that whatever you're facing, whatever 2022 is before you and looks like and worries you, whatever mountain is in front of you that seems like, God, I don't know how you're ever going to do it. How are you ever going to, how are you going to do this? This is just too big for me that there is a God that is the mighty God and he is able and with him, nothing is impossible with God. That there is an everlasting father who is waiting and longing and beckoning for you to turn and just take a couple of steps. If you take a couple of steps, he's going to meet you and embrace you where you are. Will you take some steps towards your everlasting father and let him love you today? Will you let him love you today? And there are some of you that are anxious. You're worried. You're fearful. Will you let the Prince of Peace the czar of peace, the czar shalom come and make give you peace today, peace with God and the peace of God to govern your heart and your mind. Some of you need peace today. That's the hope, that's the gift. There's the hope that we have and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let's bow our heads right now and if, if you need this hope, if you need this hope in your life today, if you need to receive Jesus Christ, you need to say, I need peace with God. I need my sins forgiven. I, I'm like that prodigal. I, I got shame, and I've got guilt, and I've been afraid to come home, but you talked about an everlasting Father in whom can, who can, can give me peace in my life, and I, I need that. I need that, Jesus, and if that's you today, will you slip up your hand? If you're watching online, will you let us know, I need Jesus in my life. I need salvation in my life. I need forgiveness of my sin today. Come on, anybody at home? Come on, I need forgiveness today. Yeah. Will you pray with me right now? Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came to give us life and give us hope. Jesus, today we ask you to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Come into our lives. Come into our lives and give us peace, peace with God peace in our hearts from our anxiety and our worry. Forgive us of our sin and become and be Lord in our lives today. We surrender our lives to you today, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com